the hashish man from a dreamer's tale by lord dunsinay this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by dale grothman the hashish man by lord dunsinay i was at a dinner in london the other day the ladies had gone upstairs and no one sat on my right on my left there was a man i did not know but he knew my name somehow apparently for he turned to me after a while and said i read a story of yours about bethamora in a review of course i remembered the tale it was about a beautiful oriental city that was suddenly deserted in a day nobody quite knew why i said oh yes and slowly searched my mind for some more fitting acknowledgment of the compliment that his memory had paid me i was greatly astonished when he said you were wrong about the nosar sickness it was not that at all i said why have you been there and he said yes i do it with hashish i know bethamora well and he took out of his pocket a small box filled with some black stuff that looked like tar but had a stranger smell he warned me not to touch it with my fingers as the stain remained for days i got it from a gypsy he said he had a lot of it as it had killed his father but i interrupted him for i wanted to know for certain what it was that had made desolate the beautiful city bethamora and why they fled from it swiftly in a day was it because of the desert's curse i asked and he said partly it was the fury of the desert and partly the advance of the emperor thuba mli for that fearful beast is in some way connected with the desert on his mother's side and he told me this story you remember the sailor with the black scar who was there on the day that you described when the messenger came on mules to the gate of bethamora and all the people fled i met this man at a tavern drinking rum and he told me all about the flight from bethamora but knew no more than you did what the message was or who had sent it however he said he would see bethamora once more whenever he touched again at the eastern port even if he had to face the devil he often said that he would face the devil to find out the mystery of that message that emptied bethamora in a day and in the end he had to face thuba mlin whose weak ferocity he had not imagined for one day the sailor told me he had found a ship and i met him no more after that in the tavern drinking rum it was about that time that i got the hashish from the gypsy who had a quantity that he did not want it takes one literally out of oneself it has wings you swoop over distant countries and into other worlds once i found out the secret of the universe i have forgotten what it was but i know the creator does not take creation seriously for i remember that he sat in space with all his works in front of him and laughed i have seen incredible things in fearful worlds as it is your imagination that takes you there so it is only by your imagination that you can get back once out of the ether i met a battered prowling spirit that had belonged to a man whom drugs had killed a hundred years ago and he led me to regions 
that I had never imagined. And we parted in anger beyond the Pleiades, and I could not imagine my way back. I met a huge gray shape that was the spirit of some great people, perhaps of a whole star, and I besought it to show me my way home, and it halted beside me like a sudden wind, and pointed, and speaking softly, asked me if I had discerned a certain tiny light, and I saw a far star faintly, and then it said to me, That is the solar system, and strode tremendously on, and somehow I imagined my way back, and only just in time, for my body was already stiffening in the chair in my room, and the fire had gone out, and everything was cold, and I had to move each finger one by one, and there were pins and needles in them, and dreadful pains in the nails, which began to thaw, and at last I could move one arm and reach a bell, and for a long time no one came because everyone was in bed. But at last a man appeared, and they got a doctor, and he said it was hashish poisoning, but it would have been all right if I hadn't met that battered, prowling spirit. I could tell you astonishing things that I have seen, but you want to know who sent that message to Bethamora. Well, it was Thuba Mlin, and this is how I know. I often went to the city after that day that you wrote of. I used to take hashish in an evening in my flat, and I always found it uninhabited. Sand had poured into it from the desert, and the streets were yellow and smooth, and through open, swinging doors the sand had drifted. One evening I put the guard in front of the fire and settled into a chair and eaten my hashish, and the first thing that I saw when I came to Bethamora was the sailor, with a black scar, strolling down the street and making footprints in the yellow sand. And now I knew that I should see what secret power it was that kept Bethamora uninhabited. I saw that there was anger in the desert, for there were storm clouds heaving along the skyline, and I heard a muttering among the sand. The sailor strode on down the street, looking into the empty houses as he went. Sometimes he shouted, and sometimes he sang, and sometimes he wrote his name on the marble wall. Then he sat down on a step and ate his dinner. After a while he grew tired of the city and came back up the street. As he reached the gate of green copper, three men on camels appeared. I could do nothing. I was only a consciousness, invisible, wandering. My body was in Europe. The sailor fought well with his fists, but he was overpowered and bound with ropes, and led away through the desert. I followed for as long as I could stay, and found that they were going by the way of the desert round the hills of Hap, toward Utnarvihi, and then I knew that the camel men belonged to Thuba Mlin. I work in an insurance office all day, and I hope you won't forget me if you ever want to insure life, fire, or motor but that's no part of my story. I was desperately anxious to get back to my flat, though it was not good to take hashish two days running, but I wanted to see what they would do to the poor fellow, for I had heard bad rumors about Thubam Lean. When at last I got away, I had a letter to write. Then I rang for my servant and told him that I must not be disturbed, though I left the door unlocked in case of accidents. After that I made a good fire, and sat down, and partook of a pot of dreams. I was going to the palace of Thuba Mlin. 
I was kept back longer than usual by the noises in the street, but suddenly I was up above the town. The European countries rushed by beneath me, and there appeared the thin white palace spires of horrible Thuba Mlin. I found him presently at the end of a little narrow room. A curtain of red leather hung behind him, on which all the names of God, written in Yanish, were worked with golden thread. Three windows were small and high. The emperor seemed no more than about twenty, and looked small and weak. No smiles came on his nasty yellow face, though he tittered continually. As I looked from his low forehead to his quivering underlip, I became aware that there was some horror about him, though I was not able to perceive what it was. And then I saw it. The man never blinked, and though later on I watched those eyes for a blink, it never happened once. Then I followed the Emperor's rapt gaze, and I saw the sailor lying on the floor, alive but hideously rent and the royal torturers were at work all around him. They had torn long strips from him, but had not detached them, and they were torturing the ends of them far away from the sailor. The man which I met at dinner told me many things which I must omit. The sailor was groaning softly, and every time he groaned, Thuba Mlin twittered. I had no sense of smell, but I could hear and see and I do not know which was the most revolting, the terrible condition of the sailor, or the happy, unblinking face of the horrible Thuba Mlin. I wanted to go away, but the time was not yet come, and I had to stay where I was. Suddenly the Emperor's face began to twitch violently, and his underlip quivered faster, and he whimpered with anger, and cried with a shrill voice, in Yanish, to the captain of his torturers, that there was a spirit in the room. I feared not, for living men cannot lay hands on a spirit, but all the torturers were appalled by his anger, and stopped their work, for their hands trembled with fear. Then two men of the spear guard slipped from the room, and each of them brought back presently a golden bowl, with knobs on it, full of hashish, and the bowls were large enough for heads to have floated in had they been filled with blood and the two men fell to rapidly, each eating with two great spoons. There was enough in each spoonful to have given dreams to a hundred men, and there came upon them soon a hashish state, and their spirits hovered, prepared to go free, while I feared horribly. But even and anon they fell back again to the bodies, recalled by some noise in the room. Still the men ate, but lazily now, and without ferocity. At last the great spoons dropped out of their hands, and their spirits rose and left them. I could not flee, and the spirits were more horrible than the men, because they were young men, and not yet wholly molded to fit their fearful souls. Still the sailor groaned softly, evoking little titters from the Emperor Thuba Mlin. Then the two spirits rushed me, and swept me thence as gusts of wind sweep butterflies, and away we went from the small, pale, heinous man. There was no escaping from these spirits' fierce insistence. The energy in my minute lump of the drug was overwhelmed by the huge spoonful that these men had eaten with both hands. I was whirled over Arval Woundry, and brought to the lands of Snith, 
and swept on still until i came to krangwa and beyond this to those bleak lands that are nearly unknown to fancy and we came at last to those ivory hills that are known as the mountains of madness and i tried to struggle against the spirits of that frightful emperor's men for i heard on the other side of the ivory hills the pittering of those beasts that preyed on the mad as they prowled up and down it was no fault of mine that my little lump of hashish could not fight with their horrible spoonfuls someone was tugging at the hall door bell presently a servant came and told our host that a policeman in the hall wished to speak to him at once he apologized to us and went outside and we heard a man in heavy boots who spoke in a low voice to him my friend got up and walked over to the window and opened it and looked outside i should think it will be a fine night he said then he jumped out when we put our astonished heads out the window to look for him he was already out of sight the end of the hashish man by lord dunsinay